As we get ready for the Word of God today, I'm going to ask you to remain standing as we get ready for this Palm Sunday, not so Palm Sunday message. But I trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I know it's God because I don't wake up at 4 a.m. Come on, I'm preaching on this topic today. I am able. Because He is able. Come on. I am able because He is able. And if you don't, if you need a witness this morning in testimony, our sister Nancy is right here. Where Nancy? Where are you at? Nancy out there. Celebrating this day, today, eight years of sobriety. Eight years. And she's honest with me. She said, oh boy, I had some days I wanted to quit, some days I wanted to give up. But then I just got on my knees. Amen. Let's read the Word of God. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. The book of Judges chapter 3, verse 12. See, I'm not able to read this right now. Letters are small. <laughs> but Jerrica made me an appointment to see the eye doctor. So it's, it's, you're going to see me soon with these little glasses looking like some of you here. All right, Judges chapter 3, verse 12. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join Eglon, he came and attacked Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. I guess that's your Palm Sunday there, the city of Palms. Verse 14. The Israelites were subject to King of Moab for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and He gave them a deliverer. I want you to notice verse 15. It says, again, He cried out. Are you guys grateful for a God that you can cry out to again and again and again? Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and gave them he gave them a deliverer. Ehod, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehod had made a double-edged sword about a foot and a half long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab, who was very a very fat man. And after Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way the men who had carried it. The idols near Gilad, he himself turned back and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. The king said, Quiet. And all his attendants left him. And Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his summer palace and said, I have a message from God for you. And as the king rose from his seat, Ehod reached with his left hand. He drew the sword from his right thigh and he plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade which came out of his back. And Ehod did not pull the sword out. And the fat closed in over it. Then Ehod went out to the porch he shut the door of the upper room behind him, and he locked him. Verse 27. 
When he arrived there, he blew the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading. And notice what he said. He said, follow me, he ordered. For the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and they took possession of the Jordan. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, you would bless this word. And Father, as I preach, I pray, Lord, that you would use me and speak to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word today. The title of today's message is, I am able because he is able. I am able because he is able. Israel, God's people, God's children, the Bible records that they forgot about God. And I don't know about you, but there are moments that I believe we all have where life gets so busy, gets so distracted, that it feels like we just forget about God. And Israel forgot about God. They took Him for granted. And Israel began to live in sin. And as a result of their sin, God allowed an evil king from Moab named Eglon to invade, take them captive. And he held his children captive for 18 years. And I want to remind you, since this is in the book of Judges, this happened in the land known as the promised land. In other words, the children of Israel were supposed to be living in freedom. They were supposed to be living with joy. They were supposed to be living in God's promises. But instead, for 18 long years, they were in bondage, miserable. But then someone, I don't know who did it, But someone got everyone together and said, I think we're tired of being in bondage for 18 years. God gave us this land. This is our land. This is our territory. How did we ever let the enemy come and take over? And it's the same question you have to ask yourself today. How did I allow the enemy in my life to take over my life, my territory? Because if you are a child of God, the territory God has declared for your life is a territory of peace, promise, joy, and strength, and favor. And if you're not experiencing any of that in your life, you have given the enemy territory that does not belong to him. So one of them said, we're tired of this. Because I believe you need to get tired of bondage. You need to get tired of the enemy winning in your life. You need to get tired of not experiencing the best of what God has for your life. And they cried out to God. And the Bible says, again, He sent them a deliverer. God didn't hold it against them. God didn't say after 18 years, now you call to me after everything you did. When God hears the cry of His child, He rushes 
with deliverance. And they cried out. And the Bible says that God sent a man named Ehud. But something interesting happened as I read this story. 4 a.m., by the way. He was left-handed. And I said, Lord, why is it that you put that this man was left-handed? Sounds odd. Sounds crazy. But it's there. The Bible said he sent them a deliverer and he was left-handed. Because in the Bible, left-handed people were considered a curse. Left-handed people were considered deceivers, not to be trusted, inferior. Because in the Bible, your right hand represented power. It represented strength. And if you're Hispanic, you know that your mama's right hand had power. Amen? Not the left hand. Mama didn't use the left hand. That's the weak hand. She used the dominant hand. See, God has a right hand. And in the Bible, the right hand represented power, favor, strength. And when you blessed a child, you put your right hand on them and you professed the favor of God. When you gave them a blessing of an inheritance, you put your right hand on them as a sign that God was with you. Your right hand represented strength and power and favor, but your left hand represented, don't you trust that boy? He's left-handed. He's crooked. Why would God make a left-handed person? Why would God make a left? Anything in the left makes no sense. Amen? But he sends Ehud. Left-handed. And here's what's worse about sending Ehud, the left-handed leader. The Bible says he was from Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin. Now, if you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, Genesis 35, 18. Let's read this together. The Bible says, Rachel was about to die, but with the last breath, she named the baby Benoin, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, that's Jacob, however, called him Benjamin, which means, say it with me, son of my right hand. Meaning son of my favor, son of my powers, Son of my strength. Son of my right hand. So the Benjamites, they thrived and bragged about being the right-handed people of God. Can you imagine now with me being the only left-handed man in a right-handed world? And a tribe of right-handed people that were proud of being right-handed and powerful and great. And we are the mighty right-handed tribe. We may be the smallest tribe, but God said we're the right hand. We're powerful. And Ehud must have wondered, Lord, of all the tribes I could have been from, you chose the right-handed tribe to make me left-handed. It didn't make sense. 
But you know that because Ehah was left-handed and a right-handed world and a right-handed tribe, it means that everyone in that tribe rejected him. Everyone said, why aren't you like the rest of us? You're different. God cursed you. You have no power. You have no strength. The favor of God is not even on you. You're worthless. You're a nobody. You're not like us. But let me tell you something about God. The Bible says He chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God was about to use Ehar, the rejected, isolated one, to be a leader of Israel of deliverance. So you don't have to be like everyone else. You just have to be who God created you to be. We don't have to be like every other church. We just have to be the church God has created us to be. I don't have to be like every other pastor. I just need to be the pastor God has called me to be. And Ehud must have felt rejected. He must have felt worthless, different, not good enough outcasted, with no friends, compared to, always comparing himself to others, wondering, why am I not right-handed? Why couldn't I be right-handed? Lord, this is humiliating. This is embarrassing. I'm a left-handed man in a right-handed tribe. Oh, and it gets worse. Ehad was not left-handed by choice or birth. But when you read it in the original Hebrew and even in the context of the story, which we're going to show you later, Ehad was left-handed because his right hand was disabled. And the Bible implies that Ehad was disabled through some type of injury, some type of accident. That makes it worse. Because not only is Ehad rejected for being left-handed, he's left-handed but had no choice in it. And he must have asked God, why? Lord, my life used to be good. I was right-handed. And everyone loved me and everyone accepted me. And I was just like everyone else. But Lord, the day I had that accident, the day I was disabled and became left-handed, it seemed like everything came falling apart. God, it makes no sense why you allow me to struggle this way. It makes no sense why God chose this for me. And I wonder this morning how many of you have pain in your life that's not your choice. How many disabilities spiritually or emotionally do you suffer that's not your choice? It just happened because life happens. And it must have been hard for Ehud to accept that accident that disabled him. It must have been difficult for him to figure out why God would put him in a right-handed tribe and hurt him to the point that he had to be left-handed. But God, come on, say that with me, but God, but God, 
has his reasons. We don't always understand the reasons God allows pain into our lives. But he has a reason. He has a plan. I may not understand it. I may disagree with it. I may not like it. It made no sense to me. But God does everything intentional. And I have never said this from the pulpit. God does things intentional. And even if it's the devil that did it, God intentionally allowed the devil to do it. Everything God does is intentional. And even when it feels God is doing nothing, because we serve an intentional God, even though you're in a season that appears to be like nothing, God is always doing something. And even when the doors close, God is doing something. And even when the doors open, God is doing something. When God says yes, He's doing something. When God says no, He's doing something. When God says wait, He's doing something. If it hasn't worked out for you, it's God is doing something. We have to stop the lie that God is doing nothing. God is always doing something. He's always doing something. Ecclesiastes 7.13, one of the hardest verses you need to live. Accept the way God does things. That's a hard one, amen? Don't sit here all Christian like, oh yeah, I can do that all the time. I got that one, Pastor. That's a, in my living room wall. No, it's not. Accept the way God does things. There are things in your life that's hard to accept. It's hard to accept when it doesn't happen for you. It's hard to accept cancer. It's hard to accept the job loss. It's hard to accept the divorce. It's hard to accept the death of a loved one or a child. It's hard to accept who's president now. It's hard to accept. But I have to catch myself in my pride and say, you know what? I need to accept that the God who's doing something, even when it seems like nothing, is a God I have to say, Lord, I don't understand why, but I choose to accept the way God does things. Accept it. Happy Palm Sunday. All right. Accept the way he does things. Ehah could not understand. Why? But Ehah reminds us of three important truths with one powerful principle. Truth number one, you can't choose where you come from. And some of you are coming from some dark places. From some rough childhoods. Some rough circumstances. You can't choose where you come from. 
Of all 12 tribes, Ehud, the left-handed man, was from a right-handed tribe. And he had no say in that. You can't choose where you come from. A few weeks ago when I was in Georgia with Jerrica with this pastor-wife thing, I got to admit to you, I was a little jealous. Because I saw all these happy pastors. I'm happy too, but here, let me finish. But I was, I was listening to all these pastors I met and had breakfast with and coffee with. We were talking. And it felt like, they said, oh, I have 500 people. I have 100 people. I have 300. And what God is doing is amazing. And, oh, we had a second service. Oh, we stood at our third service. <laughs> and I was like, man. And then they asked me, what about you, Dave? What, is that? what about you, Dave? I'm like, still sorry. Still sorry. Come on. And I said to myself, Lord, why am I from Miami? I said, I bet if forward was in the Bible Belt, we couldn't contain the people. I bet, Lord, if you had this church under a tree that we just put a sheet over, many people would come. And it seems like they have it so much easier because they just... Church is just something you do in the South. But we're in the second most unchurched city in the nation, and here we are. And I said, God, why? No answer. Because I can't control where we're from. But I believe we're here for a reason. And God is doing something. Truth number two. You can't choose how people will treat you, see you, or what they will do to you. You can't choose how people are going to treat you. Ehud had no choice in the opinions of everyone else. Why are you left-handed? Did God curse you for a reason? Did that accident happen because you deserved it? Why aren't you like the rest of us? They talked about him. They gossiped about him. They accused him. They slandered him. They rejected him. They isolated him. Everyone hurt him. And Ehud had no choice in it. And someone needs to hear this this morning. You have no choice in what someone did. They might have hurt you, betrayed you, abused you, lied about you, mistreated you, taken you for advantage, but you have no choice in what they did. So if you have no choice in what someone did, or how someone sees you, or how someone thinks, or how someone doesn't love you, if you have no choice in it, I challenge you to just surrender that to God. You have no choice. And what someone did. And truth number three. You can't choose. You don't always have the choice to choose some circumstances that brought you pain. That brought you suffering. That made you lonely. That made you angry. And it amazes me how many people go through a trial in their life that has hurt them to the point that it disabled them. 
and you've gone through a bitter divorce that disables you, when you've been sexually or emotionally or physically abused, it disables you. When you get sick and diagnosed, it disables you. When you get betrayed by a loved one, it disables you. How many people walk through life and even in this church, worshiping and laughing and smiling, but deep down inside, they're disabled. And here's a powerful principle. Because you can't choose where you're from or choose how people treat you or always choose the circumstances that bring you pain, you do have one choice in this life. No matter where you're from, what happens to you or how people treat you, you will always have the choice and how you choose to handle it. And that's what separates the winners from the losers. Is how you choose to handle it. And there are two types of people in this world. There are those who can't handle it. They can't handle what happened to them. They can't handle how someone hurt them. They can't handle where they're coming from. They can't handle what someone did, what someone said, how someone thinks. They can't handle the truth that this person doesn't love them. They can't handle the pain of life. So they disabled themselves. What do I mean by someone disabling themselves? When you are disabled, spiritually or emotionally, it means that it is an attitude or a mindset in which you tell yourself constantly, I am not able. I'm not able to get better because of what happened. I'm not able to be happy because of where I'm coming from. You don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm not able to be happy. I'm not able to move on and forgive. I'm not able to get better. I'm not able to get over this. I'm not able to get be a better Christian. I'm not able. So you disable yourself saying, I'm not able to be peaceful. I'm not able to respect them. I'm not able to love them. I'm not able to forgive. I'm not able to move on. I'm not able to shake it off. What they did, how they treated me, how they think of me, how they rejected me. I am not able to get through this. I'm not able to overcome this. I'm not able to be successful. I'm not able to be used by God. I'm not able to be forgiven. It's unfair. It's hard. It's life. So many people walk around this life disabled with a mindset that says you'll never be able to see your child saved. You'll never be able to be healed. You'll never be able to reach that lost loved one. You'll never be able to be a better Christian. You'll never be able to be used by God. The dream that you have, it's just a dream. You'll never be able to do it. You'll never be able. And so many like-minded Christians walk around this God-given life disabled. 
I'm not able to love my spouse. I'm just not able to raise godly children. And I wondered this morning if that's why I got woke up at four in the morning. Because someone came into this church thinking they were going to hear about palms. But you walked into the wrong church because God knew you walked into this church disabled. But Ehud, he was different. Ehud was disabled. And Ehud had a choice to make. He could say, I can question God. I can get bitter. I can get angry. I can throw a petty party. Mope around, complain, be discouraged, depressed, anxious, sit around and beg for money because I'm disabled. But Ehab became a leader. Ehab became the judge of the right handed village. Ehab became powerful, influential. Ehab became a warrior, a man of God, a hero. And I asked God, how did that left-handed fool become that? And God said it was simple. He saw his other hand. And he looked at his left hand and he said, well, it ain't my right hand, but it'll do. I'll make it work. I'll get stronger with it. I'll use it, Lord. Lord, I may have a broken, defigured right hand, but Lord, I'm thankful that you've given me another hand. The problem with people today is we focus too much on what we don't have and what's broken, and we fail to see what God has given us. And what God's saying, oh, but you got another hand. You may be broken in one hand, but on the other hand, you can make it work. So he had looked at his little left hand that everyone criticized him for and said, I'll make it work. I may be disabled on my right hand. People may talk about me. People may have their opinions of me. People might discredit me. But I'm just going to trust God and I'm going to work with this left hand Because I believe God can still use this left hand. And he made it work. And that's the choice you have today, church. You can sit around in this life, spiritually and emotionally disabled, with a mindset of telling yourself you're not able, and you stay in bondage to the enemy, and give him your territory. Or you can trust God with what has happened in your life and say, but on the other hand, I still serve a mighty God. On the other hand, I still serve a God of miracles. On the other hand, I can still make this work. And Ehad made it work. 
he became stronger because he focused on what he had, not what he didn't. My opinion, we have too many spiritually and emotionally disabled people in the church with an attitude that they're not able to be who God has created them to be. Because the focus of your life, it's what's wrong, what people think, what's broken, what's not working, what's failing. But you fail to see, on the other hand, God has a plan. God is working. And God can do great things in your life if you stop disabling yourself. Look at Numbers 11.23. Let's talk about a disabled man here. His name is Moses. Disabled because he had a speech impediment. And God called him to a great life of leadership to save and rescue the Israelites. God had a mighty purpose for his life. God called him. And the first thing God hears out of the mouth of Moses I'm not able to. Isn't that interesting? I'm not able to rescue them. I'm not able to be a leader. I know you're saying it, God. I know I'm hearing it out of your words, your mouth. But I'm not able because I have a disability. I am not able with my disability to speak right. So I am not able. I can't. And God had to remind them of one thing. The Lord said to him, what a powerful question. Has my what? Oh, come on, say it like you want to hear it. Has my arm, my hand, lost power? God's being a little sarcastic here. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I didn't know my hand lost power. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know that Pharaoh was big and strong. I didn't know my hand can't handle that. And God asked him, has my hand lost power? And God loves this. He says, now you will see whether or not my words come true. You know what God said to him? You keep telling me why you're not able. And you have forgotten the power of my hand. But you, and you know what God says in the David version of the Bible? It's okay. No, no, tu sigue. Go ahead. I'm going to prove it to you how powerful I am. And some of you need God to prove himself to you again. Psalm 118.16 The strong Say it with me. The strong right hand Come on, the strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. God says, my hand has done glorious things. And I'm raising my hand in triumph. And what that means is when you are at war, and once you defeated and conquered in war, the people would raise their hands in victory. 
And you know what God is saying here? You're here sweating this problem. You're here stressing about the bills. You're here worried about what the doctor said. You're here worrying about your kids. You're worrying about the economy. You're worrying about your future and your job and this and that. And you don't even know that I'm already raising my hand because the battle's already been won. I already have the victory. If you want to see what God is doing right now, He is raising His right hand saying, I have done glorious things. I'm not here like this worried. My hand is up saying, I already have victory over this. That is why our response to the hand of God is 1 Peter 5.6. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God. Put that verse in the NIV for me, Gabby. I want to read it in the NIV better. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, other translations say. Humble yourself under the hand, the mighty hand of God so that He may lift you up in due time. Our response to the hand of God is in humility. You get under His hand and say, Lord, in due time, I know Your hand is on me. You see, A lot of you may be here today feeling disabled. A lot of you sound like that baby right now. You want to just cry because life is so hard. And I get that. But Ehud had a choice to make. Am I going to disable myself? Or am I going to trust God that He has a plan and a purpose for what's happening? So in verse 16, things get crazy. In verse 16, the Bible says, Now Ehud, he made a double-edged sword about a foot and a half long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. So remember that evil king that took control of his life, just like the devil does. And that fat king was ruling for 18 long years. Ehud had a plan. And Ehud said, I'm done with this king that's ruling my life. I'm done with the enemy trying to have victory in my life. I am done wasting my life, my 18 years of this. It is over. And Ehud made a choice. And he said, I'm going to go up to this king and I'm going to kill him. And everyone laughed and everyone said, Ehod, oh, the left-hand dude, the left-hand guy is going to kill him? There's no way, Ehod, you're going to get close enough to even stab him. Ehod, you're crazy. But Ehod had a plan. Ehod went up to this evil king. And the Bible says, that Ehud got close to him. Now pay attention. Ehud got close to this king. And all the attendants left and left him alone with the king. And I want to remind you that in that culture, and even today, you never leave a world leader by himself. 
They always had protection. They always had secret service, bodyguards, whatever you want to call it. And I wondered to myself, I said, Lord, how is it possible that this man got along with Ehud and he got everyone out of the room? And you know why he did this church? Because when he saw Ehud and his little disabled right hands in a town full of right-handed people, this king said to himself and all the officials, he's not a threat. Because he's a right-handed man, right? He's from the tribe of Benjamin. But look, he doesn't even have a right hand that's working. He's disabled. And I imagine the king laughing and all his officials laughing. Look at him. He's not a threat. Don't even search him. He's not a threat. There's no way he's going to grab a sword with his right hand and kill me. Just let him in. Everyone get out. I'll talk to him. He's not a threat. You see, that's how the devil works in your life. The devil's only focus on your disabilities. He's focused on what you're not able to do. And when he sees you, he says, you're not a threat to me. I will rule you for the rest of your life. I will control your marriage. I will control your family. I will control your children. I will have your territory. You are not a threat. You are unable to get free. You are unable to get out of this. You are unable to get out of this addiction. You are unable to get rid of that anger. You are unable to forgive. You're unable. You're disabled. You're disabled. Look at him. And I imagine the devil, like the fat king that he is, looking at all his demons, saying, look at this guy. <laughs> he thinks he's going to defeat. He's not a threat. Look at him. He's nobody. And Ehud must have heard these words. And inside he said, if you only knew that I'm about to kill you. He says, I got a message for you. He said, come closer. You're not a threat. Get close to me. And Ehud leans over. And while that little fat king is looking at his right hand that should have had a sword had he been right-handed, the devil and that fat king didn't know that on his left side he had a double-edged sword. And while that enemy was looking to the right, he was a magician. He was like, look at this. He grabbed that sword. Stuck it so deep inside this fat king. That he killed him. What an amazing Palm Sunday message. For anyone that has given the devil too much territory, too much reign, and that devil is telling you with all his demons, you're not able, you're not able, you're disabled, you're not a threat because of your past, 
You are disabled because of what people think. You are disabled because of your weaknesses. You are disabled. But what that king did not know was that this man was holding on to a double-edged sword. Look at Hebrews 4.12 with me. And notice this connection. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than what? A double-edged sword. You know how you defeat this fat king we call the devil? You stick the word of God in him. While he's too busy looking at your disabilities, your weaknesses, you say, oh, I never, but what you didn't know, devil, is that hidden inside of me is the word of God that I'm about to kill you with. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. I am. I'm able because he's able and he got the word of God, the double-edged sword, and some of us need to stick it to him. You need to stick it to the devil who sits there in your territory laughing because you're not able. You're so busy giving the devil territory because you buy into the lie. I'm disabled. I'm not able. And while the devil focuses on your inabilities, God says, would you look at your abilities according to my word. And Ehud held that sword on a weaker hand because when you are weak, the word of God stays strong. Come on, that's good preaching for someone this morning because some of you came in here with a weak hand and now... Ehad understood, and I'll close with this, Ehad understood why God made him left-handed. Why God allowed that tragedy, because had he been like everyone else, had he been like all the rest of the right-handed village people, he would never have been able to conquer and lead and be a warrior and a judge and a legacy. But because he made it work and did not quit, he was able to conquer his territory back and defeat an evil fat king that was reigning for too long in the life of God's children. And I believe this morning some of you have bought into the devil's scheme to focus on where you're weak, to focus on your disability, where you're not able. And some of you say, I'm not able, Pastor. I'm not able to move on. I'm not able to become someone. I'm not able to be forgiven. But I promise you, if you hold on to the double-edged sword of the Word of God, you can stick it to the devil. And I believe that's why at 4 a.m. in the morning, God woke me up. What should have been a happy little palm message turned into the knife and dagger and sticking it to the devil. I don't know how that happens, but it's God. Stop telling yourself you're not able. Because even when you're not able, God is able. Ephesians 3.20 
God said now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine according to the power that is in work with us. The first thing I want to tell you in Ephesians 3.20 is God says, I am able, but not only am I able, I am able to do far more than you even imagine. Then you even ask. God says, I'm going to give you things you're not even asking for. Because I'm able. And the key word that I observed here in this verse is that word now. He didn't have to throw in that word. It means that now, whatever you're going through now, now may be dark, now may be hopeless, now may be impossible, now may be the worst situation in your life. But God said, now, I'm still able to do far more. And what I love about this passage is that Paul wrote it from a jail cell facing death the next day. So as God puts Paul in a prison, some of you feel like you're in a prison right now. God says, even when you're at your worst in this prison, now I am still able. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, say it with me. He's able. Six, Daniel 6, 20, 20 through 22. Daniel was facing the lions. Come on, imagine that with me. Because some of you, you feel like you're facing the lions. The lions is a picture of not only God, but it's also a picture, according to Peter, of the devil. And he's facing these lions that are hungry. And everyone's watching with anticipation that Daniel's not going to come out of this one. It's over for Daniel. Daniel, the great man of God, is over. He's in the lion's den. And no one survived the den of the lions. And as he's thrown there like a piece of garbage... The king asked him one question when he came near the den the next day. He called out to Daniel in an anguished voice. And he said, Daniel, servant of the most living God, has your God whom you serve continuously been what? Able to rescue you. That's all that everyone wanted to know. Was God able to do it? Was God able to save him? Was God able? Look at the next verse. And Daniel answered, Oh king, live forever. Verse 22. My God, say it with me, my God, who sent his angels, he shut the mouth of the lion. Come on. God was able to shut the mouth of the lion and he came out of this lion's den. And for anyone who's in the lion's den right now, facing things that frighten you, facing things you feel is going to destroy you, you have a God that says, in one second, I can send my angels to shut the mouth of the lion. And in Matthew 9, 27 through 28, we have a blind man and another blind man who have been blind their whole lives. They can't see. Some of you feel like this. You can't see what's happening. You can't see what's going on. But when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men 
came to him and Jesus said to them, notice this question, do you believe that I am what? Able to do this. See, because they were following Jesus and they were asking him for mercy. But Jesus wanted to know, do you believe I'm able? What's the truth about this verse? Some of you might be following Jesus right now, asking him for a miracle. But deep down inside, something tells you it's not able to happen. So God sits here and looks at you and says, do you believe I'm able to do it? some of you might feel like Paul in a prison. Some of you might feel like Daniel in a den of lions. And some of you might relate to the blind man. You just can't see what's happening. God was able. He's able. Let's all stand to our feet today. He's able. Do you believe He's able? Some of you have come to this church disabled. Do you believe He's able? If you really believe He's able, do you hold on to that Word of God? Say, devil, thus says the Lord. And I'm going to stick you with this word. My God is able. And if you're here this morning, as Frankie leads us in this song, if I have people that are dreaming right now, if I have people that are in bondage, people that are in need, if you have a loved one that's lost, if you have a desire in your heart, a sickness in your body, a child that needs to be rescued, a desire within your heart that financially you cannot meet, if there's a burden that you carry, if there's pain and discouragement, and you say today, Father, I believe that you are able, would you come to this altar right now? Come on, come to this altar as Frank leads us here and say, He is able. And give God, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, you are able, Father. I'm not able. You tell God I'm not able, but thank God you're able. And because He is able, you're going to see God get you out of that prison. And because of He's able, you're going to see Him shut the mouths of these lions that talk too much. And because He's able, He's going to open up your eyes and you're going to see what you thought you'd never see. And in Jesus' name, He's able to bring back that prodigal child. And in Jesus' name, He's able to save that spouse that's not saved. And in Jesus' name, you are able to move forward in forgiveness because He's able. Come on, Frankie, worship today. And give your God, you're able. He's able, come on, save Believe it. Don't listen to that devil right now. Declare it now. He's able.
Come on, church, say it loud. Come on, say this loud. Come on, say it. Who am I to deny God? Yes, Lord. You are able, Father. Come on, church, believe for it. Give it to the Lord now. You are more than able. He's able to heal. Come on. He's healing, forgiving right now. He's able to forgive. Come on. One more time. Come on, sing a church like you mean it. Come on, let's sing this chorus one more time together as a church. He is able. Give him a shout of praise this morning. You believe right now he is able. He is able. Come on, I want to pray for all of you here this morning. You came into this Palm Sunday service. You saw no palm, but you saw a dagger. You saw a sword. And in Jesus' name, you say, Lord Jesus, I will get my territory back that the enemy has stolen. You say, devil, I'm sticking it to you today. The word of God is stronger than the double-edged sword. And while that devil is just focusing on your weaknesses, he doesn't know the other side. That on the other hand, you have the word of God that says anything is possible for him who believes. So it doesn't matter where you come from, what people have done to you, what circumstances have pained you. He is able. So in Jesus' name, would you give God the honor of an impossible, as my wife likes to say, an impossible, possible prayer. Come on, tell the Lord what that is. Come on. Lord Jesus, we thank you that on this Palm Sunday, you rode in on the donkey. And while everyone worshipped you next week, Lord, they rejected you. And while you stood on that cross, crucified, everyone thought it was over. But you, Father, were able. And death could not stop you. 
And Father, your word declares that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside us. And in you, Lord, we are more than conquerors. So I pray, Father, that you would take the prayers of the impossible today as we declare that you are able to do far more all that we ask and even think to imagine, Lord. And in Jesus' name, Father, we defeat this enemy that tells us we are not able. And we put our faith and trust in our sword, your word, in Jesus' name. Come on, sing it one more time as we dismiss. Come on, he's not done with you. Believe that. Just the voices. Come on. Come on, say it now. Just the voices today of the church. Come on, church. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for the prayers that are being answered this morning, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the lion's mouths you're going to shut, for the prison doors you're going to open. For the eyes are going to open the healing that's going to take place. Father, when we are disabled, you are always able. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God a shout of praise today. Come on. Amen.